that the that the no hair premise uh, goes back to a curious involvement with the well, let's say the world of the uh, of the just born. Did you know that that has uh, psychological ramifications for women? Yes, that they relate uh, something with uh, you know I'm, I'm, this this uh, cockamamie uh, New York Magazine type. Uh, Psychology. If you notice New York Magazine, everything they they discuss, they discuss in terms of a 14th Street psychologist. <laughs> you know what's behind the real Jimmy Carter, due to the fact that he is a peanut farmer, and what's the psychological implication of the peanut? And uh, well, of course, let's face it, the peanut does have certain psychological overtones. Since many guys says, "Well, come on," and, you know it does. Uh, have you noticed that the, that the one of the brands, for example, is named Peter Pan? That's not a coincidence. Not at all. And you know what Peter Pan is, the Pan Syndrome. You don't? You do? You do. You do. I, of course you do. You see those guys walking up and down Greenwich Street there with the pink shirts and the silver shoes and all that? That's called the Pan Syndrome. Now, speaking of the Pan Syndrome, would you please hit my mood music for the Pan Syndrome there, please? <laughs> Saving all these for later. Hey, you know, I'd, I'd like to know. Uh, uh, I'm, I'm uh, asking a very serious question here. Um, uh, does uh, do you know anybody who ever actually wrote to anybody in a newspaper to solve their personal problem? <laughs> I can't imagine a guy writing. Dear Abby, my wife thinks that I am a think due to the fact that I have problem with my feet, which caused the dog to... You know, I just wonder uh, uh, whether I... <laughs> I've never known anybody who ever wrote anything to any of those people. And uh, yet, yet there are sad people. Did you know that, uh, speaking of that type of mind, and there is a type of mind who really loves to read papers like the Inquirer, you know, the, oh yes, oh yes. Oh, they, they believe that, you know. Uh, uh, you know, the Telly Savalas is a 12... 12 secret rules uh, to live forever and have an unbelievable sex life now revealed here exclusively. <laughs> By the way, the word revealed is a very key word uh, in all those headlines. It's always being revealed, uh, meaning that it was hidden up to this point. See, they, they delved it out. Boy, they really got to the basis of it. And there are certain people that constantly pop up in that kind of uh, basic slob, uh, uh, I suppose you might say, uh, reading by moving your lips crowd. You know that crowd. There's a certain crowd of people who make Archie Bunker look like Aldous Huxley. And, uh, you know, they walk around and, uh, <laughs> and they really believe in, uh, you know, they have to read about Cher uh, constantly. You know, there's the invariably reading about Cher. They're always reading, too, about uh, not only Cher, but Jackie Kennedy. They read about anything written about Jackie Kennedy. 
is, uh, you know, instant uh, ecstasy to that crowd. Jackie reveals, and the dot, 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 you fill in the... Or, it is now revealed for the first time, Jackie, dot, 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 dot. Or, Jackie's uh, romantic liaison with dot, 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 is now revealed. You see, this is a very important uh, constant-running staple in that world. Cher and Jackie are always in that. Another person that's always in that curious world is Elvis. Elvis is constantly... It's, it's just, uh, Elvis reveals for the first time his secrets about love, dot, 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 dot. <laughs> they're always revealing. And, of course, people who read that think they're reading a newspaper. Oh, yes, they say, oh, I always never... No, I never fail to read the paper. I keep up with things, no. I keep up with things. Like, for example, did you know the chairs on this new 12-day cottage cheese diet? You know, and I keep up with things. I'm up with that. <laughs> And, uh, uh, you know, this is, this is a certain kind of a basic slob world. But I, I, uh, I've had my, I've had my, my, uh, my contact with it. Uh, one time there was a big piece, and, I, and I, I don't like to, you know, I don't like to pull rank here, but there was one time there was a big piece in the Inquirer about me. Oh, sure, I'm in showbiz. Everybody in showbiz. He, he doesn't understand it yet. <laughs> Poor girl. <laughs> You? That's like, oh, you mean you did a piece on a used car dealer too? No, no, I was definitely, and and uh, I remember the the weird scene. You know, this piece came out. It was totally invented. It had nothing to do with with anything that I did, said or, or you know, anything. But uh, it was very entertaining. It's, it's uh, all about how I revealed certain deeply held secrets. And. Uh, yeah, you know, it was a great heady experience because people then from that, it seemed like from that minute on, they kept calling up and they'd say to you, gee, uh, do you have any more secrets you'd like to reveal? So, well, I'm working on a couple. And uh, when the time comes, <laughs> I'll reveal these secrets. <laughs> and, uh, uh, but this is, a, this is a kind of a basic, uh, uh, I, I think that we're living in, a, in the age of total trivia. Now, people think trivia is a game that they play at the at colleges is to guess who was in the movie and no true trivia is the kind of stuff the Truman Capote writes. That's trivia. That's genuine trivia. <laughs> and, uh, almost anything that Thomas Wolfe writes, is trivia. Yes, really. Uh, and uh, but that to me that's true trivia. Uh, during any given time, there's a whole group of people see that are great celebrities at that time. And uh, they seem to be very important at that time, during the period that uh, that they're of their ascendancy and, and their sway. It's over a certain kind of person. Uh, in other words, there are certain kind of people who are interested only in what could be called uh, contemporary, and that can be back in the 18th century, it can be back in the 5th century. A content, con contemporary blabber, whatever the blabber is. Uh, and so, so, and there are people who live in this blabber world. Now, what is the blabber world? Well, the blabber world is almost anything that appears on the society page of the Post. That's the blabber world. Uh, almost anything that appears in, uh, say, Earl Wilson, that's the blabber world. <laughs> I mean, you know, and, uh, uh, today's blabber is tomorrow's bottom of the birdcage. Uh, and, and, of course, there are blabber stars. The blabber star is the, is the star who is the star of the blabber world. Uh, for example, uh, Tammy Grimes is always mentioned. She's the star of the blabber world. Um, another one, remember Baby Jane Holzer? She was a star of the blabber world. Oh, Baby Jane, where are you tonight when we need you? Uh, <laughs> so the blabber world is the world that, that these... And of course, most of the people who read this don't know any of these people. Uh, they have never seen them. 
but they become part of the, this kind of blabber world. Uh, and uh, they're often they're, they're borderline show bits. Like Joy Heatherton is always in the blabber world. She's constantly, <laughs> and that's that's the blabber world. It has nothing to do with uh, with being uh, with being an actress or winning awards or anything like that or doing anything. So you're part of the blabber world, and the blabber world. There's guys who deal in that in this town, of course. Maybe you don't know that in this town, there's vast numbers of people, uh, comparatively vast. It's a major industry in this town who provides the world with blabber. That's their whole business. Now, blabber doesn't have anything to do with reality. So if you read a piece that says, uh, uh, Robert Redford collects canaries, a lot of people believe he does that. No, that was the creation of a blabber merchant whose job is to get Robert Redford's name at any cost into this, into this paper, you see. So he just turns out this endless blabber. Now, it has nothing to do with the real person. Redford probably doesn't even know this blabber man is working for him. You see, because he's way down the totem pole. He's down in this little grubby office on 46th Street above a place that sells the used 45 caliber revolvers. <laughs> and he's sitting there all day long typing his junk. Now, I remember a friend of mine. You want to, you want to, a friend of mine, I'll tell you. I'll tell you how you get the, you get a touch of this. You get, you get the, see, even people in showbiz often don't know anything about this world. So don't tell me you know about it. You don't, because this is a very special... That in fact, the whole point of these people is to become and remain anonymous, the blabber creators. Because if it turns out that a little guy in a 46th Street office invented the piece that Barbara Streisand is now seen with dot, 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 uh, it kills the whole industry. If you want to know, you don't want to know that some guy invented this. You want to think it really happened mysteriously. This guy has found out about it, and now it's in the column. Well... I had this friend. I'll tell you the story about it. Uh, this is this is this is kind of a, a, of a of a sad story. So I'm going to warn you. It's it's sad, and yet it's uh, like almost all great tragedies. If viewed a certain way, is incredibly funny. I've always felt that Hamlet was a great comedy, and I would like to see Hamlet done the way it should be done. This guy walking around fetching about his uncle constantly. He is a. Uh, He's a, the Woody Allen of the Middle Ages. <laughs> He's a, a Danish Woody Allen. <laughs> you like that phrase, okay? So, so I, I, uh, I always felt that the, I, I, I sat through half of uh, Willie, Willie Loman laughing like hell because I, I, I'm, oh, he, to me, well, uh, uh, you know, Death of a Salesman was three acts of pure middle of the afternoon soap opera. I had this feeling that any minute now somebody was going to jump up and sell me Oxidol. And, uh, and stay tuned for further adventures. Uh, this is WOR New York, and we will be back with the story of a blabber merchant immediately following this uh, great blast of blabber. Be that as it may, I, uh, oh, I've known some fascinating men in my time, uh, and and someday. Uh, in fact, uh, you can't you can't be in. Uh, and I'm talking about on, on a professional level. Not once met a guy at a cocktail party. That that's not knowing anybody. Although a lot of people. Uh, who write columns and all that will lead you to believe they know all these people and they once met them at a cocktail party, you know, that's about it. But uh, some of the more interesting people I have really truly known and spent a lot of time with uh, professionally in other ways. One of them was Frank Lesser. And uh, Frank, Frank loved musicals, but he hated the people who went to them. <laughs> he really did. <laughs> he was right out of Guys and Dolls himself. And uh, he, he, he used to sit in the, in, the, in the theater there one night 
uh, he, I was there one day when he was having auditions for a musical he had done, one of his last. And uh, all these people were up there auditioning and were sitting back there. And uh, there was a guy came up on the stage there, you know, and he, he was all bright-eyed and bushy-tailed. And he started to sing, Maria, Maria, Maria. And Frank turned to me and he says, oh, God. This guy was auditioned. I said, oh, yeah. He says, wow, this guy sings like a musical comedy fan. And I, I said, well, they all are. <laughs> kind of funny. But uh, another one of the, one of my favorite characters that I, I had, uh, one of the first guys I ever met in this town. And uh, someday I'll, I'll do a whole show about him. But basically, on on on, because you know you hate to talk about some of these things because because people, uh, some people I I find it difficult to talk about people that I know and that I have known well uh, because it may sound self-serving. I, I don't like to have that. Uh, so so what do you mean? Listen to these name dropping because I think one of the ugliest things that people do in this town is drop names continually, and I've known you know too many people who do that, but. Um, I knew Lesser through a long series. In fact, I'll tell you how I knew Lesser. I knew Lesser from the days when I was in a review called New Faces of 1961. And uh, Lesser got in touch with me, and he wanted me to do uh, work with him in, in a musical that he was doing, both as a performer and as a writer. And we got to know each other very well. The, the project never panned out due to a number of things. But uh, we became close friends. Uh, and another another guy that I knew who... who uh, was probably the oddest one I've known in that type, that, that curious world, was George Kaufman. I knew him. Nothing like most people think he is, and he bears little relationship to the books that have been written about him, at least my feeling about it. Uh, and he, a uh, very sad man, uh, and a curious guy. And uh, I used to go up to his apartment on Park Avenue. We'd, uh, he'd stand around, he'd eat... Uh, uh, Maylox or whatever it was he was eating because he had uh, he eventually died I think of some kind of stomach problem but uh, we'd, we'd stand and he'd look out and uh, it was very very interesting <laughs> very strange man and I, I see I, I had the advantage of not being floored by it see I think if you grow up in New York and you're all into the showbiz world uh, too many people are completely floored by that and of course that turns off the people that they that they meet or want to talk to and so on but I didn't have any vested interest in George Kaufman. I've never been a fan of uh, Broadway, particularly. I, I, I think most of it is, is uh, fairly puerile, and, and I think most of it is very boring. Uh, it's, uh, it's generally what passes, for I think, for drama on Broadway is generally a kind of orchestrated soap opera for people with more money than sense. And uh, they they love it. <laughs> and I, I always found it. First of all, I, I, I find most Broadway acting not good. Uh, I think uh, most of them don't even know how to use their voices except to trumpet, uh, trumpet out loudly their lines. I say to you, you know, they shout, and, and I find it very unbelievable mostly. And when they don't, the mannerisms throw me off too. So nevertheless, uh, that uh, maybe was a was a thing in my advantage because. Uh, uh, I remember my first meeting with Kaufman came about as a result of a telegram which he sent to me. I had not, uh, didn't seek him out. I didn't, didn't, no way. And I got a telegram one day. It says, "Can you come to my place?" And uh, he said uh, he had he had seen me do a show. I'll tell you how it came about. He was in the show. He came down to a nightclub show that I was doing at a place called Down in the Depths. I, uh, there was a time in this town 
when uh, when there were all kinds of great little reviews that were running around. This was a, 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 the time of the reviews. Uh, and what a, what a review is, of course, is a whole series of little dramatic sketches and skits. And so a lot of people have never seen one even. Actually, a review is, uh, in a very real sense, is, uh, for example, uh, the Carol Burnett Show is an example of a television-type review where they have sketches and running characters. Although most reviews, uh, staged live reviews, are, are much faster. In short, uh, the sketches don't go on for uh, 14 minutes or so like they will on the Carol Burnett Show. In fact, I first knew Carol Burnett as a review performer when I was doing a lot of reviews. Uh, downtown, we, we were working in all kinds. I was in this review, uh, at, as I said, the place called Down in the Depths. Maybe some of you might have seen it. And uh, at that time, a lot of uh, people were working in reviews all around in the village and uh, in what could be called the off, not necessarily the, uh, the village type theater, but the almost uptown theater, the chic theater, for example, the uptown, uh, uh, upstairs at the downstairs, that kind of thing. Uh, these were not off-Broadway shows. They were really chic nightclub shows. And the uh, theater that I was working in was a place called Down in the Depths, and it was in the Hotel Duane. Very chic. It had about a $25 minimum charge and all that kind of thing. And quite successful at the time. But uh, a lot of the people that were working reviews, for example, Woody Allen wrote some sketches for the review that we were in. He was just a writer in those days. And uh, Allen wrote reviews, uh, sketches for the review I was in. At that particular review, I was in about seven or eight of them around town and uh, all review performers all knew each other because review performers were different from what could be called the conventional musical performers say a, a Mary Martin or uh, somebody like that uh, or a conventional actor because review people are more or less like quick character sketch artists we used to do all kinds of, like in one one review I played 30 some odd characters in one review each one different uh, and, and, and that's a specialty. It's a specialty. That's why people like, uh, if you watch the Carol Burnett show, you'll see people like, uh, oh, Harvey Kaufman and so on will play different characters. Those are review performers. They would not, by the way, be particularly good, often, playing a, a straight role in a movie. Have you noticed Carol Burnett has never made the movie scene? She just never cuts it because she's great at getting that brief character, and that's her talent. <laughs> so we knew a lot of people. We all, all knew each other down the village. For example, Paul Lind. I knew Lind had been in a previous New Faces. Uh, Ronnie Graham was another one at that time. I was uh, used to hang around together somewhat. I knew Graham. I also, one of my old friends was Charles Nelson Riley, who uh, was in thousands of reviews downtown before he hit. <laughs> and uh, he hit in, uh, in a Broadway show. I, I'll give you a, how about that for a piece of trivia? What show was it in? What? No, no. That was long after he was a success. He made it in a Broadway review. Uh, it wasn't a review, it was a Broadway show. Uh, but nevertheless, uh, all, the, all the review performers knew each other, and I had done this review down there, and I got, a, I got a telegram from Kaufman, who also, by the way, had heard some of the shows that I did on, on both on television and radio at the time as a comic. And uh, I got a wire, and I went down to, went, went up to his place. Now, I, I was not, I, I did, had never seen anything by Kaufman. Uh, which seems incredible to most people probably in this town, but I, I did not. And he liked that, so I walked in. He says, what do you know about my work? And I said, not much. And I said, I, I, I just know your name. And he says, my God, what a relief. 
And uh, at, that, at that point, you know, I realized how many guys now blow it completely because they, they go up and they, they don't know anything about a guy, but they get a call. So they read all his plays, and they go in there, and they try to fake like they really know about him. But I said, no, I, I, I don't know. I, I, I once saw you do the whole thing on television about, uh, about uh, White Christmas and Silent Night. He, was, he became famous on television, you know, because he made some comment about Silent Night. And I said, that was, that was a funny bit. And uh, he says, he says, well, so so we got we got uh, we got quite fr uh, friendly, and, and I was going up there, and his we were going to collaborate on a piece of work, and uh, that's when he got very ill, and uh, at that point I saw it was useless because he was really sick. But he was a very interesting man, and not at all the way uh, people or fan types would think of him. Certainly, you know, Frank Lesser wasn't, and because uh, these these guys were really purely. Uh, they were uh, they were professionals. They 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 were not starry-eyed about what they did. It's just like a doctor, you know, is not starry-eyed about uh, Marcus Welby. He he uh, he really isn't, uh, and 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 that's the way it is with a professional man of the theater. He's not starry-eyed about the theater. Fans are, but uh, you won't find uh, you would never find Frank Lester sitting around being sentimental about Broadway. I mean, that's like, a, you know, that's like thinking that a brain surgeon gets sentimental over great episodes he's seen in medical center. You know, <laughs> he just doesn't do that. It's a tough, hard business. So, they, you know, he, uh, uh, you want to hear some of the other characters I've known him uh, that, that have become friendly with and on a professional level. Again, none of this has to do with the fan vis-a-vis -vis GI Met so-and-so. Uh, one of the interesting guys uh, that I know, uh, got to know in this town, is that as a fellow uh, worker in the vineyard of uh, humor, uh, printed humor, is uh, S.J. Perlman. I've uh, known S.J. for years, and uh, S.J. always looks to me like a guy that he created for one of his stories, this gnome-like guy with these granny glasses. But uh, he's, a <laughs> he's a great little guy and a funny man. But uh, all the review performers, getting back to the review performers, all the review performers pretty much knew each other. Uh, people like uh, old Marion Mercer, uh, R.G. Brown. Uh, that name probably doesn't mean much to you, but uh, he, a couple of years ago he was on a lot of. Do you remember? You remember a show that was on uh, a few years ago on television called The Gold Diggers? Uh, there's a piece of trivia. You remember the chorus line they had? Well, R.G. Brown was uh, did a lot of the sketches on that show. He uh, uh, he's a strange little guy who looks a little bit like uh, Alfred E. Newman. Uh, but uh, Robert Morris, I knew, I knew Bobby Morris at the time when he was banging around the review world. You remember Morris. Now, Morris, you see, is an example of that. When Morris, when Morris uh, was in How to Succeed, he, he really created, a, 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 in a sense, an extended sketch character uh, where he played everything very large and uh, very stylized. Uh, and it's a special type of talent. Uh, in fact, uh, if you've ever seen me do my stuff on stage, you'll know that most of my characters are that kind of character. I play a sketch. I'll play, for example, a Jersey slob standing in line on a Saturday morning at the Dairy Queen on Route 3. Well, see, he's immediately recognizable, <laughs> you know, as he's standing there with his WMCA good guy sweatshirt that he saved from the 50s. And uh, he's waiting to get his Dairy Queen talking to his friend Charlie, and their, their chief philosophical discussion is whether or not you, can, you should get chocolate jimmies today. I mean, what the hell, they're starving all over the world, Charlie. How can you do that? You know? <laughs> I mean, so, so uh, nevertheless, this, uh, 
the review world is a world that has almost disappeared. Uh, very little review uh, world uh, performing done. And now, and it, it, the, what, what is done these days is no longer uh, as broad-based. Uh, now it's for specialized audiences, uh, but very specialized. That's a key word, you know what I'm talking about. And so that's a, that's a special type of thing. But the, the reviews I'm talking about were, were much more broader-based. In fact, uh, uh, one of the funniest reviews that I was in was a review called Smalltacular. And it was based on the concept of a spectacular. It was, and it was done on a stage. See, the whole idea was it was really tiny. We did these wild, uh, everything was done frantically on this little tiny stage. It was about, oh, about six feet square. We had a cast of eight. In fact, uh, one of the funniest bits we had was called the cocktail party. And it was this little, uh, if, if it, the lighting was important. So if you were sitting in this darkened room down there and watched this thing, all of a sudden, out of the dark, you saw what looked like a little cross-section of the most unbelievably facetious, crowded, name-dropping, dumb cocktail party you've ever seen in your life. Oh, everybody all packed together in this one little crowd, everybody saying all these things constantly. And then we disappeared. Cocktail party just was there. It was like a brief... And that, that's the kind of stuff they did. Uh, another sketch, for example, I was in a... Uh, it was a sketch involving me and a girl. And a girl who later went on to become a very good uh, off-Broadway producer, a girl by the name of Dorothy Love, who did uh, As You Like It. She was a producer, a very good one. And so, anyway, she, she was an actress. So we did this sketch where we were both sitting together on an airplane. You, you were looking at the interior of an airplane. But you saw our alter egos behind us in shadow like what we really were thinking. And uh, we were carrying on this conversation all the while the, the other two alter egos were carrying on this fantastic conversation, which was basically uh, a schizoid kind of skit. And that's the kind of stuff they used to do. Uh, and uh, very well done, too. I played another one. Now, one of the funniest sketches that I was ever involved in was a sketch again with Dorothy Love, where uh, I was sitting at this, opened up, I was sitting at a, at a lunch counter looking out. Obviously, it was just a little diner-like. And... Uh, there was a guy walking around, his back to the audience, and he was uh, he was the clerk, you know, or the uh, waiter. He had the, the short order cook, really. He had a white apron, all dirty old apron, all that. And there was a little sign up in the back, says coffee, 25, Danish, and so forth. And uh, he says, what do you have? I saw, I think I'll have coffee. The guy says, uh, how do you like it? And I said, black. So I get the coffee, and uh, I'm looking out at the audience, absolutely blank. But then all of a sudden, this girl comes in behind. You know, she's come in the door, and I don't even see her. She's standing next to me. And she starts looking me over. I don't see it. I'm just sitting there looking. And uh, she looks at me, and finally disgust comes over her face, or irritation. She orders coffee. I still don't look at her. Finally, she looks at me and says, it'll never work. I said, what? What won't work? She says, you and me, it won't work. I know it. I says, what? What the hell? <laughs> and that's the beginning of the sketch. It's a great sketch. And in one minute, we had this entire relationship that began uh, through, uh, we wound up uh, saying, let's try it again. If we could only start all over again, if we could get the old, the old magic back. And uh, it was a great little sketch. And, uh, but that's the review world, uh, which I'm sorry is gone. I loved it. I, I mean, as a performer, review performer, I, I, I enjoyed performing uh, where every minute or two you're another character. I, I was t you know, it's funny. I was uh, in one review where I had 32 costume changes. And uh, sometimes they were as little as, and, and, and I ranged all the way from playing Adam in one scene, and uh, Adam and Eve, you know, in the garden, 
and uh, to a uh, four-star Air Force general, all in the space of about a minute and a half with complete costume changes. You try going from a from a uh, an Adam type tights. That's a tights, you know. Uh, you try going from that to a full four-star general in full tick, complete with tights. Fascinating. I, I sometimes you have as many as five costumes on under your costumes, and they all zip off. You zip me off one time, you get a, an Episcopal bishop. Next zip, and there I am. I'm uh, a car thief. <laughs> oh wow! Uh, this is W O R New York.